draws on and right. Brilliant save indeed. Walsh has scored. Leicester City are in dreamland now. Lovely close control there by Weller. Chance on for Virgin or the whack one. It's a beautiful goal. What a Welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me is Rob Hayes after a thrilling 5-0 win against Stoke and Leicester flying high at the top of the league. Everything's fine. Um, Leicester playing in front of away fans, which is great. Enzo Maresca praising the away fans, which is great. Banners in the away end saying that uh, playing football the Enzo way, which is great. Vardy scoring two to take him to 180 or whatever it is for his Leicester career and also songs about 10 more years, Jamie Vardy, which is great. Um, so essentially, everything's going rather well in the world of Leicester. Um, Southampton emerging now as our, our main rivals for the league, it seems. And uh, and they're playing some good stuff, so we might actually touch on them for a little bit. But I think um, the majority of the podcast, Rob, will be discussing, obviously, Leicester and about Vardy and probably about the forward options, really. Uh, going forward and obviously then and maybe at the back as well with Nelson but uh, first of all uh, I'll just mention about where I'm doing this from because I'm, I'm I'm in a slightly different corner of the same room but for my ears it seems a little bit echoey because I've got two walls right in front of me in a corner so if there's a slight echo to my recording that's why don't worry it's just a slightly different position but uh, it'll be fine next time and uh, how are you Rob? Yeah, good, thank you. Everything is great, as you've just said, and I reckon we should have a, a whinge more often because those of you that listened to the previous podcast will know that although we were, uh, we were still and still are flying high at the top of the championship, uh, we had a couple of, I wouldn't say grumbles, but we, we asked a couple of uh, questions as to why were Leicester lacking potency in the final third? Why were Leicester seemingly struggling to finish off teams when they were in the ascendancy? Why Why did Leicester take their foot off the gas or appear to take their foot off the gas in periods of matches? And I wouldn't necessarily say that all of our questions and, and um, worries is a strong word, but mild concerns have been answered because, let's face it, we played Swansea and Stoke and neither of them are any good, but they did what we wanted. They played with a lot of intensity and a lot of intent and scored eight goals in the process, uh, and two of those took uh, an absolute Leicester legend to uh, 180 goals. A man who's been around longer than for Fox 8 podcast, and you don't say that very often about football players these days. Yeah, it's it's remarkable what Vardy's done in his career, and I think when he does retire, we'll basically have a, a, a huge, or when he leaves Leicester, if he decides to go elsewhere, um, then we'll have to have a, a, a huge podcast double bill on just Jamie Vardy. Um, but he, he goes to 180. Um, quick pop quiz, quiz fans. Um, what or where is he on the list? And 
who is ahead of him, which is a bit of a bit of a clue. You better not be asking me because every time we ever do anything like this or you ask a question on the spot, I've got absolutely no idea. In terms of goal scorers, is in is in third place and. All schoolboys and schoolgirls should know, obviously, the, uh, the 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 top two, Arthur Chandler and uh, and Arthur Rowley, which no one's going to get near. Um, that's the, the the good thing with Leicester. I suppose it's a good thing. Is it a good thing? Maybe. I I think. I I think if you've got a a top goal scorer of all time, that's probably unreachable. It's it's almost. I don't know. Actually, I was I was going to say it's comforting in the way. I don't know. It's it's like it's you can't be. You want your best player. I always go back to um, when Leicester signed Frank Sinclair. I don't know what it is. There was something about Frank that I didn't like for no reason. But I was like, I didn't really like him. I was like, there's a lot of money at the time for him, and I kind of didn't want him to do well almost because I just didn't. It was, you know, I was only fairly young at the time. Frank Sinclair turned into my favorite player of all time at the time. It was it was it was crazy, and it's like. You don't want almost someone who you think actually is not so good or to, to take the record off some of your favourite players. You know, you want your favourite players to be at the top. So if the, the record goal scorer was, was only a relatively small amount and then Leicester all of a sudden dropped down the leagues and someone who just generally wasn't too good ended up scoring a fair few goals and, and got into the top 10 or 5, you think, oh dear, it's kind of a, 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 a stain on the records. But because Leicester have got two who are absolutely miles clear. I mean, anyone who's scored over 200 goals for a football club is doing remarkably well. Look at Jamie Vardy with 180. But for Chandler um, and Rowley to be over 250 goals each is is absolutely outstanding. But Vardy, you, you can't see, and this is stupid because obviously someone's done it in the last 10 years, but... It's going to be very difficult to see, is probably the best way of putting it, someone equaling what Vardy's done in the relative future, unless the football climate changes, because we know Vardy's story, we know where he's come from, but because he did it in the Championship, then all the Premier League years, and to be at Leicester for all those years, and then to drop down... You need the football club to be basically. A, a, you need the football club to be at a certain level. You need to be at a low level. The player joins, then they be successful enough for that player to be scoring the goals. Because obviously, if he's scoring the goals, the club's going to be successful. Then you need maybe a couple of years of near misses, which they were, and then you need the the promotion. Then you need a number of years in the Premier League where they are successful enough where the player doesn't leave. Because again, if he's successful in the Premier League, he's going to go elsewhere. Of course, Vardy didn't. And then you're going to get to the stage where the player's old enough to be basically right. I'm going to stay here because no one else is... Or, you know, he's not going to be in his late 20s, essentially. And an easy pickup for when Leicester or when the club eventually drop down. Because obviously he's going to be old enough where the club maybe need to drop down slightly for him to carry on scoring. Do you know what I mean? Like the the the, the nature of a club needs to be in a certain certain way. They need to be in a certain league and a certain quality for that player to score as many goals. There's gonna be very rare exceptions, unless you're one of the all time greats, like say Thierry Henry, who scores so many goals because he's at a top club and he's at the top of his game and there's not many clubs he can move on from that. Um, Shearer. Shearer scores all them goals for Newcastle. He's never going to leave Newcastle. Okay, He's never going to join another club. 
but for and and but for a club the size of Leicester, it takes something special for someone to be there that long. But also, it takes the club progressing upwards with that player, and then the player to be so loyal he doesn't go for someone to score as many goals. And that's even before you've got to the fact that the player needs to be good enough to score the goals. You've you've kind of I was going to say you've summarised it quite succinctly there. It did take you a few minutes, but. You're absolutely right. Every single it did. You know what I meant, though. I, talk, I, I, I went round and round about and a few times on that one, but you, you get where I meant. It's quite. A, it was quite a difficult thing to explain. You did, but you passed every single road sign that pointed in the right direction, and everybody was pretty much following you. Might have needed to reroute your Google Maps a couple of times, but we got there. You, you're right. I think the the stars, whatever kind of fate, destiny, all that kind of rubbish that you might or might not believe in, every single thing had to line up right for Vardy. And when you consider as well, like you've you've called all his biggest achievements there, and and one of the biggest of them is is of course being third on the all-time goalscorers list at a football club, um, top goalscorer in the modern era, quite clearly by by a long stretch. But when you consider the start to his career at Leicester as well, if you'd have said when he first signed, when we'd spent a million pounds on a non-league footballer, this scrawny-looking sort of um, character that that I think a lot of people initially thought maybe was a bit unsavoury and, and some probably still do but he's our unsavoury character and that's what's made him so successful over the years especially in terms of his of his footballing style but you know you, you constantly see these these images thrown up of of Harry Kane and Jamie Vardy on Leicester's bench in the championship and you look at them and you think in that moment I don't think anybody in their wildest dreams in terms of supporters would have would have suggested that those two would go on to have the careers that they have but you do wonder and 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 I think the the people that signed him at the time you know the the ones that put their arms around him and Pearson and Shakespeare were were heavily involved in in keeping Vardy believing in himself really you wonder, outside of that little circle, did anybody else who's got an ounce of football knowledge actually look at that and think, I'm not saying predict that they, they that he'd come this far and win the Premier League and uh, and get the record for consecutive games scored in and um, be Leicester's top scorer for, I think, seven Premier League seasons in a row or something like that. You know, all these records and all these achievements that have tumbled in front of him, I'm not saying predict, predict them specifically. Do wonder, the, the, the chance they took sticking a million pounds on him somebody somewhere or a few people somewhere must have believed that there was something there because it was at the time when for a club like Leicester and to move a player up, what, four divisions? A million quid was a massive punt. Nowadays with the transfer fees spiralling out of control, a million quid's small change unless you're talking about signing Stefano Sensi, but, you know, we'll uh, we'll we'll forget about that one very quickly. Oh, oh, um, nice, nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, enjoy that one. That's a Pete Selby little segue, that one. Um, but it, it's just phenomenal, the fact that he, he was close to giving up on professional football at Leicester by all accounts because he just wasn't working out for him. And he had a couple of arms around him. He got himself a run of games, started scoring goals in the second tier of English football, and the rest is is not even history. The rest is folklore. The rest is is the stuff of legend. It really is. It really is. As he cracks open another can of Diet Coke, uh, it's it's remarkable. It's it's actually when you were talking about him there and where we signed him from, etc. 
it's almost that that's what we should be doing now. When you're looking at next season, when we're jumping into the Premier League, and it's going to be risky signing players from lower league football to the Premier League. But it's almost where Leicester we need to be looking at because of the the financial fair play rules that they'll be uh, they'll be under. Obviously, they'll still have to spend a fair amount of money on players. But it's almost it's almost where Leicester should be looking. And there's a number of players performing very well um, down at a lower level who could make that step up. And obviously, we don't expect them to be Jamie Vardy. But but there we go. It's the gen. Uh, um, I'll give another shout out actually to the Radio Leicester. Actually, they they had an interview with Jamie Vardy, which after the game against Stoke, which is quite rare, and um, he sounded excellent. He sounded that he was obviously enjoying his football, which he always has. He said he's really fit and really um, in good shape. Really looking after himself off the pitch, knowing how old he is, knowing that he's only got a few more years left. So. He wants to play at the top of his game. Also, knowing he has to be in that shape as well. I think probably slightly changing his diet and probably the way he goes about things as well. Um, you, you know, you look at likes of Ryan Giggs, etc. Roy Keane, the, the longer they went on, they changed and, and the way that they went about their um, their kind of preparation for the game was a lot different from the rest of the players. It was their own thing um, to get them through to a to a late age, especially in Giggs's um case but like I think Vardy's doing just that that's what he was hinting at um I'm under completely no illusion at all that if Leicester get promoted that Vardy who's out of contract in the summer remember should be given an extra year I think it's a complete no-brainer um 50% of it is for off the field stuff on the training ground you know working with Cannon working with whoever was going to come to the club oh by the way Jamie Vardy's still here brilliant um I think he should be given a year I think he'll be awesome off the bench awesome and I think he can still start in games in the Premier League um, I, I, no no problem um, you won't give him more than a year you just do it on a year by year basis and, and there you go and the longer we see Jamie Vardy wearing the number 9 shirt at Leicester um, the, it's fantastic you're talking about one of the, the all time greats at Leicester if not the the great which we think and we, we had that poll and we worked out etc and he's well known as the GOAT But um, and the statue can go up in a, in a few years time but Yes, it's great to see him back from his injury. Obviously, that took probably longer than um, before because of his age. And also because of what we have up front. The fact that we've got a forward line that's power-packed for a championship in Cannon, in Daka, in Vardy, and Kelechi and Acho. The fact that all four are different in their own way. Um, the fact that all four have been informed this season at, at some point, obviously, um, Ian Acho's form dropped off quite considerably as well, and Daka didn't feature for the first part. But that's you know maybe wasn't down to him. It was maybe down to outside circumstances with his contract, with when we signed him, etc. That you know relative games that he needs to play, etc. Or maybe it was just the fact that Enzo Maresca didn't quite fancy him, and he went with what he knows. Um, now, from listening to what Enzo Maresca has said about Daka, I think he really fancies him. And I think technically Dakar would be arguably the number one striker at the club. Um, Maresca recently saying about Dakar how he's he's really impressed with his pace and with his all round game. He says he, he says I know he misses chances, but it doesn't matter because he's in them positions to miss chances. Um, but if you look at the way he plays, he's improved the aspects of the game which you wouldn't have put him down as being. His best, which are still not his, his, his highlights at all, you know, his, his control, his 
play with his back to goal. Um, in the Championship, he's fine. In the Premier League, he'll get found wanting massively the way he plays with his back to goal. He's never going to be that sort of player. Um, he's just not skillful enough. But when he gets it right, he has the intelligence to play the right ball, to be in the right place. So it's almost like his brain's there, but sometimes his feet aren't there. His feet aren't good enough to play with his back to goal. When he's facing goal, no problem. When he's running with the ball, no problem. Finishing-wise, he's actually a very, very good finisher. I know he's missed a few chances of late, but he scores goals. His awareness in the box to find space, um, which is obviously going to improve with playing with Vardy, is excellent. And he scores goals. He's He assists and scores goals an awful lot in the Championship. We'll see what happens in the Premier League. But there's I, that's why he's the number one. Obviously, we know that Cannon's kind of like an all-rounder. And we'll just come on, he's still young. And I think they're still watching him physically as well. And him not being in the side for a game or two and then coming off the bench, not a problem. The fact that Vardy's there, not a problem. You've got cup games coming up. You've, Leicester are, are looking at this long term. You can't just be going on a week-by-week basis. And also, they're looking at it from a game-by-game -game basis as well in terms of who starts. So Daka will start one game because Moreskis mentioned many a time that they identify each Every team does. But if you're... People must look at Leicester and go, do they just line up in one way and play one style of football and just steamroll sides? Well, no. They actually look at the opposition and they predict the way they're going to play and they will select players against the opposition who Maresca thinks will um, will be the best suited against whoever's lining up on the opposition side. That's the way that you play football. That's just a sensible approach. And they will do that with the forward line, whether it's Cannon, whether it's Vardy from the start, or whether it's Pats and Dacker. I think sometimes they must look at it and go, do you know what, lads? Do you know what? I don't think it really matters, but we'll play Patson from the start because at the moment he is the number one striker at the football club. Um, and it's a... I mean, I, I do fear for Kaleci Inacio when he comes back from AFCOM. I mean, if he comes back from AFCON with, with an African Cup of Nations winner's medal, then he's going to be delighted anyway. And also, the likelihood is he might probably move on in the summer anyway. I think they will, even if Leicester win the league and get promoted. I think they'll probably move on from Kletchi and Acho. But um, I think he comes back knowing he's probably going to be fourth choice. Yeah, Dakar's... Uh... A surprise package, really. Uh, the surprising thing, I don't think I'll have been alone in, in being a little bit shocked to see him in the starting lineup for the game against Swansea when he'd just returned from the African Cup of Nations and you, you're looking at it thinking, surely it's going to be Tom Cannon starting. And then Dakar starts uh, and then Maresca comes out and says, well, we picked the striker based on, uh, as you've just said there, our analysis of, of the opponent that, that's coming up. So then that kind of felt to me like Maresca might be setting it up to to start a different striker against Stoke but then Dakar starts again and then having watched both games you can definitely see why because Swansea and Stoke for all their ambition of the high line and the and the reasonably high press it's extremely naive and they weren't very good at it especially it's especially naive to play it against Leicester City to to be so dead set on your shape and your style of play that you're going to play it against the team that are top of the league and top of the league quite comfortably is a, a bizarre decision for me and it played into Dakar's hands and, and Leicester adapted because most of the time this season 
you will see little tiny passes in and around the centre circle or a little bit deeper, trying to draw the opponent on and then quick passing through the phases. Then it might go wide. Um, sometimes it, they, they get the teams condensed in the centre of the field and somebody like Vestergaard will ping a diagonal 60-70 yarder to create the space. We've seen that time and time again. And we've seen Leicester toil at times to try and break down a low block. But, I mean, everybody's in that situation, aren't they, who's, who, are, who are at the upper end of, a, of their respective table. So, to see Swansea adapted mid-game, I think as Leicester took their foot off the gas, Swansea adapted and, and dropped a little bit deeper and changed their shape. Stoke were just... It was, it was madness. It was like they were all sort of all in a line and all trying to rush up at the same time, like old school offside tactics when it had only just become a rule. You know, they were playing like 12-year-olds who've just started playing full-size or 11-a-size matches for the first time. And so Dakar is the is the man for that because he runs the channels well. He is, I mean, I've not actually timed them all with my stopwatch, but I would imagine he's the quickest of the four striking options that we've got, three at the moment, obviously with Ianacho being away. And... Yeah, I'm I'm still a bit bothered about the fact that he misses some quite easy chances. You can say all you like, yeah, he's in the right areas, and you can say all you like, he's bagged what six goals this season now, um, in in a, quite a few, what quite a, hand, a, a small handful of games that he's actually played in. But for for a bloke whose hold up play is rubbish, he's not great in the air, he's not very strong. Pace and finishing should be his top two attributes, no doubt, and he's got pace. But there's still a couple of times when you're thinking, mate, you've got to bury that. Which is why I think, Pete, you've got the same reservation as me that he's he's not going to be a Premier League striker, Dakar, but he is a means to an end this season in the sense that he is finding the back of the net uh, and Leicester players are finding him in the penalty area, which is, uh, and have done in the last few games anyway, is, which is a little bit different to what we were talking about on the previous episode of the podcast. But I think you're right about Vardy as well. Just I think it would be unwise for Leicester, particularly with the number of players that they've lost to contracts ending last summer and, and the sort of impending uh, outgoings that are coming this summer as well. I think it would be unwise for somebody like Vardy, who understands the club inside out, understands the fans, um, understands what it means to be a Leicester player. I think it would be unwise to to let him go. You're not signing him onto a contract expecting him to play 38 Premier League games next season, let's be perfectly honest, but... Yeah, it's, it's a good option to have. I don't think Ianacho will be there. I think I think Vardy and Cannon are going to be two strikers to choose from next season. Um, the re- the rest is kind of dependent on outgoings and incomings. Yes, it's it's not because of where they are in the league. It's not because of we, we've sewn this up already. But you're just starting to look at the Premier League, and those those sorts of words are now creeping into conversations. Are they going to be here next season, etc.? You know, we've kind of just started talking about it this podcast without really kind of thinking about it. We've acknowledged it in recent weeks saying, look, let's, let's not actually mention it because there's still a long way to go. But I think we're getting to the stage now where, you know, those conversations are going to be had and you're thinking those four strikers, if, if Ian Acho goes, then you've got Daka, um, obviously Cannon and Vardy. Now, Daka... Um, fully enough, if he's not at the football club next season, I think it's probably because someone comes in for him. Um, if he ends up scoring a fair few goals this season, you could see a club in Europe coming for him. And you think if you're Leicester, you might look at it and go, actually, if we could get 20-odd million for him, maybe 25, 20 million, 
it might be an easy sale. It might be an easy way of grabbing a few quid to fund a centre-forward because a centre-forward would seriously be on Leicester's radar or a very, very good number 10. 10 slash 9 really would be. Ideally both, but... Uh, yeah, you could see Leicester letting go of Daka if a good offer comes in because of what they've got in Vardy Cannon and again looking to bring someone else in. If you go in with four strikers, Daka, Vardy Cannon, and a new striker, that's what Leicester would at least need for for the Premier League season. Looking at the team overall as well, interesting how McAteer then played in the eight role. The fact that you got Mavadidi, who earlier in the season played in one of those roles and has played down the centre as well. You thought he would have been the player to to move inside, but no, they played McAteer. I mean, what a very active and exciting front three behind the forward. And then obviously you've got Daka, but you got Fatawi on one side, you've got Mavadidi the other, and then McAteer uh, where he was in, in one of the eight roles. And uh, you know, throw in um, KDH as well. That's, that's a really exciting forward line. Um, and he played really well. And I think that just shows you the... Um, I think it shows you what Maresca thinks about him. And I think we've all seen what Casey McAteer's done this year. A very exciting footballer. And you'll just throw Fataru in as well. Um, obviously both... Well, Casey McAteer will be there next year. Fataru, it's just a complete no-brainer. What a player. And we don't need to go on about him uh, much more until he does something really, really good again. Mavidi Dune on the other side. And all of a sudden, I'm I'm just starting to kind of like turn the wheel a bit on what, what I said actually on um, on to BBC Radio Stoke actually about before the game. I mentioned a few players and um, and then they asked they asked me about actually what you think next season Leicester will do in the Premier League. And I said, well, I still think they'll need a, an awful lot of new players. And you're just looking at the side now and I might have just been a little bit down on Leicester. Those... Mavadidi, Fataru with McAteer there, KDH, a new number eight as well, maybe two, um, and a forward. That's a very exciting forward line. And you look at what's in the Premier League and you think an extra year of Fataru and also um, McAteer, uh, Mavadidi, you know, is, is easily a Premier League player in my eyes. KDH we know as well. That's a, a really exciting forward line. Surely Winks in the Premier League next season will be a better player for what's happened this season at Leicester. You know, it's, I think that will be the case. Um, the defence will will be an issue. And we'll come on to the defence now, but mainly with Vestergaard going off injured, which is a problem, and we'll see how long he's out for. But the interesting thing is the fact that Nelson's now coming in ahead of Cody. And and this is a player who I think is 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 terribly exciting for a centre half. As much as you can be excited about a, a centre half, I know he's not a, a rapid winger, but he looks a really good player, really really good. And again, for Maresca to bring him in, I think just shows because he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to at all, but he does. And for him to bring him in ahead of um, Cody, I know position-wise it would, it would be easier to play Nelson, etc. But he slots in better in, in that side. But it still speaks highly of the player. And he's not let him down. He looks excellent. He looks really good on the ball, very commanding. But also, he looks to me like he's playing within himself. Um, he's strong, but also it looks like there's a lot more. If the game stepped up a couple of mo- notches in terms of pace, power, which, of course, in the Premier League it will do considerably, can he go up those 
those notches. You, you look at some of the players, like Jewsby Hall, of course you know he can. Winks, you know he can. And I expect the wingers to be able to. And Vardy in his career, we know can. But can he? I don't think Vestavard can. I don't think he can at all because of the, the player he is and the size he is, the person he is. Um, I fear for uh, for some of the other defenders as well. Um, Vass, for example, I, don't, I just don't think I don't think he will. I, it's and we'll see what happens with the goalkeeper. But with Nelson, he just appears to be that player who has a lot more in his locker and. Playing within himself is possibly the wrong term because is he he maybe just over he's concentrating he doesn't want to make mistakes you know he's a defender for a start and that's what you want but I just think there's a there looks to be a real player there and I know you can maybe get ahead of yourself with defenders sometimes if they don't make mistakes and they look powerful and commanding against lesser opposition but for me he just looks like there's a player playing in third gear currently and there's a couple of notches that he can go up at the moment and being the age he is I think Leicester could have a player that they could basically call on as their centre half for a number of years and a number of Premier League years as well. Yeah and I think this might be a good opportunity if Vestergaard's injury does keep him out for a few games to to give Nelson a run of games and in the second half of a championship season when, as you said, the team are already doing well. So there's a bit of pressure off. Uh, I agree that he looks like he's holding a, a little bit back, but you can understand that because he, although he will, I'm sure, be confident enough to put on the first team shirt, I don't think um, the, I don't think Enzo Maresca would put him in if, if that wasn't the case. But it's almost like he, you're absolutely right. I think he looks like he's trying to do the basics well. He's trying to concentrate fully on where he should be because it's not... Centre-back used to be quite a straightforward position. It was uh, keep the ball away from your penalty area as much as possible, put your body on the line, protect your goal, job done. Head it, kick it. If all else fails, kick the player. Whereas you see a lot of the ball, which is quite a lot of responsibility at, at that age. So if he gets a reasonable run of games between now and the end of the season, then... He's not the kind of player that you think, oh, he's not going to play in the Premier League, let's loan him out for a season back to the Championship. Because if he does well, there's no reason why he can't be part of the selection conversation. I mean, you look at other clubs in the top half of the Premier League that have been forced to play young and experienced centre-backs this season. You look at Kwanzaa at Liverpool. Uh, I forget the names of the an amount of Manchester United centre-backs that have, that have turned out this season. Um, so... Having half a season in the Championship, I'm not saying he's going to play every single game, I'm not saying bring him in to replace Vestergaard full full stop, but having some exposure to that means that it won't just be a let's pluck this kid from the academy and chuck him into a Premier League game. It'll actually be, come the end of the season, here's this lad who's played 15, 20 games for us, we know he can be relied upon, we know he understands the system, and he can make a, a handful of Premier League appearances next season, or more if significant injuries occur now I've got it on good authority and I can't reveal my sources but I've got it on good authority from a podcast listener who I will uh, uh, allow to be anonymous that there has been at the very least some kind of disagreement between Connor Cody and Enzo Maresca where some blame has been laid at Cody's door for for mistakes or or the concession of some goals uh, and that there's not 
necessarily a feeling of, of full mutual trust between the two of them. Um, I know it might sound like I'm saying that on the back of Nelson coming on for Vestergaard instead of Cody. However, I will uh, state that I received this information before that occurrence happened. So, you know, Cody has gone from being an England international. I'm not kidding you into thinking that he was the best centre-back in England when he was in the England squad. Not the case. I think he was there for for his consistency, for his leadership skills, for, for the atmosphere that he generates or helps to generate. And I think that's a that was a big part of him coming to, to Leicester as well. But for whatever reason, it's not quite worked out. Vestergaard has to take a lot of credit because ultimately, if he hadn't come into such good form, then Cody would be starting most games, you would imagine. And then maybe this this fallout, whether it is or isn't true, maybe this didn't doesn't happen. And, and Cody is the man that we're talking about as the orchestrator of the of the big diagonal balls and 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 part of the spine of the team. But you know that's not the case. So if this if this uh, mistrust is there, where um, where Maresca and Cody aren't quite on the same on on the same page, and Cody then is is being considered to to be a potential departure in the summer maybe, then it makes sense for Nelson to be getting the game time because he is and looks to be a potential future first-team starter on a regular basis for Leicester City for what you would hope to be quite a few years to come. Absolutely, yeah. Well, that's that's interesting news. I've not heard that. So, um, so yeah, interesting news there. And 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 Cody's the sort of player in the sort of age where, if they do get promoted, then a club might look at him. A club might look at him who have got relegated and go, fancy another league winners medal. You know, come to us and play centre half for, uh, Nottingham Forest. <laughs> no, but a, a club who go down, etc. They might look at him and go, actually, he's the perfect player for us. I know it didn't quite work out at Leicester for a, a million reasons. It's unfortunate with injuries at the start of the season to to lose his place in the side because of that and, and not get back in, essentially. Um, but yeah, really rates um, Nelson. If you compare Nelson to... And it's wrong to compare players when they get into a, a side, but we're just about to do that. Um, to Brandon Cover, who, who appeared kind of out of the blue, and played in the uh, the first 45 minutes then against uh, Birmingham in the Cup. And it was it was an interesting game because he, he obviously is a very good player. You can see technically he's very good, um, but very raw, completely different to Nelson. He's very, very raw. And um, and there's the difference, really. I know they, they are different players, but um, just the way that Nelson handles himself, he, he looks like... He's a first-team player. He's an established member of the first-team squad when cover is your typical youngster coming in, showing some real flashes of of excellence, but also um, that kind of chasing the ball kind of mentality. And it all looks quite rushed and and still very, very, even though he's 20, but looks very young in his football um, compared to Nelson. But yeah, and we'll see what happens going forward. But I'm all for that going forward. I don't think if there is an issue, I don't think it will rock the boat at all. Um, I think both of them are too sensible in terms of Maresca and Cody. If there is that, then um, again, they don't want to rock the boat. And you know, even Cody knows obviously he's got a, a league winner's medal coming his way and would still be needed this season. You know, he's still going to play, isn't he? Um, especially with cup games coming up. So yeah, so going seriously well in the league. Um, Southampton. Just 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 a quick word on Southampton. I mentioned them last time, but. Um, they won away at uh, 
uh, Rotherham and they've got this amazing run going. Um, I've been mentioning Alvarez and he goes for um, he goes for all sorts of money to to Juventus. What forty five uh, million? Um, no, sorry, Alcaraz. Yeah, a, a brilliant player, but it shows you the, the squad debt that, that that they've got. But they brought in David Brooks. Um, on loan, which completely caught me by surprise, because when he came off the bench against Rotherham, it was really, you know, and um, we know Rotherham are bottom of the league, and that they're not, they're not crap. If you get get what I mean here, right? They're bottom of the league by a distance, but they're not crap. They're Rotherham. They are the standard of football. They are Division One Point Five, aren't they? Massively. They're too good for League. Uh, one, but they're two. They're not as good for the championship. They're, just, they're, they're they're poor. But you know what I mean. That it's not their fault. They don't play terribly. It's just the overall quality of the side is not good enough for the championship. But they're too good for League One. It's 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 just the way it is. Um, and I know it's then easy to play against a side like that, and players can look good. But you're watching him play, and you're thinking, "Hang on, you're a step above this." But also, you're looking at him going. How come? What? Why weren't we interested there? What happened there? Because I know again, you're moving down the road. You know, you're not moving far. You're probably still living in the house that is. But um, you're just wondering why Leicester. I know, obviously, they missed the boat with uh, with Sensi, who apparently they're going to renew that during the summer. Which, by the sounds of it, will be a good thing, and and, and we'll see what happens. But you do wonder when when Cassidy appears, as, as we just said before, we went on air about uh, being on the bench at Chelsea. I still don't understand that. I still don't understand that at all. Unless Chelsea have got ideas about playing him, why recall him? You, you, you're playing for a club who are top of the league, flying. He's enjoying his football, I presume, unless there's been a falling out. Um, he's generally in the side. I can't see any reason why Chelsea would recall him. I don't understand that at all. They've got so many players in that position. I know he was on the bench at the weekend, but surely he's not going to be playing for the first team at Chelsea, even though how rubbish they are. I don't see that. I just don't. I think it's just a very odd decision. But then again, why didn't Leicester bring in another player? I know they were working on on this deal until the the small hours and it didn't work out. But it, it it's a bit strange how one or two of these clubs around Leicester have, have signed a few really good loan players when surely Leicester would have been arguably the number one pick over these. I know obviously Saints and Leeds and that are doing well, but it it just, when he appeared off the bench, I was kind of taken aback because A, I missed it, but also, why haven't we gone for one of the available players who would have boosted our forward options in a number eight slash wingers role uh, more when, of course, we're, we're, we're now down on what we had prior. Hopefully it doesn't come back to bite us. The fact that we played... Uh, McAteer in a number eight shows that we are still missing that, but it's it does. I don't want to sit here and just turn it into a now a, a Rudkin kind of like you know Rudkin out or that sort of thing. But just to because we've been talking very positively, Rob, let's just bring it down a notch or two. There is still that option, you know, the fact that we didn't sign Sensi. We know a lot of it was down to Inter Milan legal reasons as well and FFP. I get it. I get it. Don't worry. I don't. I know. So we haven't signed him. No, no worries. But all of that should have been sorted before nine at night. It should have been sorted, and there should have been players clambering. And we mentioned this on a couple of podcasts before that. Leicester is one of the most. I don't think there's possibly over the last. In fact, 
let's just say this century, I can't imagine another football club being more attractive to join on loan in the January transfer window than Leicester City this season. You're playing for a side miles clear at the top, with one of the best training grounds in Europe, playing brilliant football, and also you're going to get a game. It's not a locked out first team. The number eight role, there's two of them for God's sake. There's two number eights on the pitch. So if you're in that position, and let's face it, there's players who have played that season in those positions this year who aren't a number eight. Wilfred indeed, he stepped forward. There's a space for you to play. You're going to get a league winner's medal. I don't think there's been an, a club as attractive to join than Leicester ever in the championship. In Let's just say this century. It's surely not. So for Leicester to lose a player in that position and then not sign someone, I think is very odd. And that's the worrying thing. Not the fact that they couldn't do the deal with the Italian. That's not the problem. It's the fact that they didn't reinforce that position with another signing. That's that's the worrying thing. See, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and, and look at it from the other perspective. For me, the more annoying thing or the more frustrating thing is the fact that every single person in the footballing world knew that Leicester City and Inter Milan and Stefano Sensi was all a thing probably two three weeks ago it came out very early doors Fabrizio Romano was reporting it from what the second week of January it was it seemed to be just a formality and I understand all of the reasons given for the transfer not going through. I do. What I don't understand is why all of those conversations and, and the reasons and the the, the the sort of points that got stuck on, that the, the two clubs got stuck on or the lawyers got stuck on or whoever was involved, I don't understand why that was happening on the evening of transfer deadline day. I don't. Now, I don't necessarily think that Leicester not adding a midfielder is going to have a, a negative effect. I think... Sensi struck me as somebody that we wanted but didn't necessarily 100% need because if if we look at it from a point of view of what's left in the squad because ultimately that's that's the only thing that we can look at now and you've got the fact that Dennis Pratt started a game in the number 8 role uh Ricardo Pereira started a game there with Hamza Chowdhury doing the the fullback coming inside position uh, Casey McAteer started there last time and that was to allow Leicester to exploit Stoke City's high line um, because we know that our number eights are quite often the furthest forward players. They're the ones that made the runs beyond the striker who's coming in deeper. So McAteer, somebody pacey, somebody willing to make those runs, somebody effective in the final third. It makes sense for him to play there in a game like that if the game was going to be more tightly contested in the centre of midfield and Leicester needed more command of the ball, then he wouldn't have started there. So what Maresca has shown is that he and his players can be adaptable because McAteer's played both flanks and that inside sort of number eight position this season. And that's pretty good for a player in his first full season with the first team. So the, the other thing is, the other reason we don't necessarily need one and just wanted one is because I'm not saying that we shouldn't that that we shouldn't be looking to improve and looking to get better and looking to add more quality to the squad, but we don't actually need to at this point in time, do we? Because we are 
considerably better than nearly every single team in the division. And for some of these games, against some of these generic um, generic championship sides like Swansea and Stoke, it really doesn't matter who plays in the number eight role. I reckon, Pete, we're so good at the minute that me or you, probably not both of us at the same time, but one of me or you could play in one of the number eight positions for Leicester and still win the football match. I'd thrive in that role. Do you know, it'll be fantastic. I'd be more of a winks, really. I could spray the ball around a bit, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I get what you mean. But also, you, you don't really want to rest on your laurels. And obviously, that was before these games. Again, just bit playing devil's advocate as well, before the recent wins as well. If they didn't quite go to plan, then it would have been easy, easy stick to to beat the club with and to, you know, to... To, to prod the uh, director of football yeah I, I just and also it's, it's just an easy thing to do the, a loan signing it's not like it's um, it's it's something obviously with FFP etc I don't know it, it just again you're looking at what other clubs have done and you're going hmm really I get the whole Dennis Pratt thing he's still there and yeah I understand that there are there is still an awful lot of cover but uh, hey it's what we've got anyway and, and we've got a really busy run of games as well we've got Watford at home uh, sorry Watford away on the 10th which is the Saturday uh, three o'clock uh, and then we are at home to Sheffield Wednesday uh, on what Tuesday night um, and then we're at home to Middlesbrough on the Saturday three o'clock and then um, we're away at Leeds uh, what uh, six days later on uh, what will be Friday night, isn't it, against the Leeds? So a busy few games before we then travel down to Bournemouth in the FA Cup. Now, um, I will be away, Rob, actually, from Sunday for about 10 days um, at the European Weightlifting Championships in Bulgaria um, with the AMS team, who you all know. So there is a great chance that we could still do a podcast uh on one of those evenings, probably when I've got a beer or three in front of me, knowing that lot. Um, but there is obviously the chance, and I'll take all the equipment, but there is obviously a chance that that won't happen. So just a heads up, everybody. That's the reason why there might be a delay for the next podcast. But we've got plenty of football to discuss. So if we do, it could be you know a quick one um, in between those games. Um, so I think we can take, take a quick overview of these games coming up maybe not the leads because that's obviously quite a fair way away um instantly you look at Watford coming up this Saturday they're currently playing tonight against uh, the aforementioned um Southampton in the FA Cup and at the time of recording uh it's currently 2-0 to Southampton so they're losing 2-0 at Southampton in the FA Cup Mara scored a couple of goals um so um, Watford away is always going to bring back memories of of a certain game, but it's going to be um, they've they've been disappointing for me. Watford, they're still on the verge of the playoffs. You can still be you can be Bristol City in fourteenth place and be on the verge of the playoffs, but they're in eleventh. Um, they're a side that I, I still think Watford are actually one of the better, arguably the top six or seven sides in in the league. Yet it's just not worked for them this season. They're um, their defence, I, I had them down, and I look at it slightly from two points of view. Like, are they a goal-scoring team? Obviously, with what I do for a job, betting-wise, are they a, a team who score goals? Do they concede goals? Um, I have them down as like a solid team, when actually they've and they should score actually a fair few more goals than they have. 
Um, I think it's going to be a tough game, but I think it's a game where Leicester can go and win, obviously. But it, Watford, for me, are that classic side where if you score first, then bang, you're in that game. And they arguably don't fold, but they're not quite as... They're not quite good enough to maybe fight back. If they're in the game at half-time, then they can be dangerous. They've got the players who can produce something. A little bit like a Middlesbrough, who obviously are in this run as well, where you look at where they are in the league. I know they've got a game in hand, which will a win for them will take them, what, one point behind Hull, um, who are just outside the playoffs. But Borough haven't, even though they had a terrible start to the season, they had a brilliant run, but it's somewhat stalled. And I think they're exactly the same just like at the away game at Middlesbrough. Um, even though Leicester dominated, they stayed in the game, and then they have players who are good enough to do something, including scoring a brilliant free kick at the end to beat Leicester. Um, so that's what I think with Watford. I think if Leicester go out them early doors and get the goal and go one in front, then I think Leicester are going to be incredibly difficult to peg back. I think they would be against any side, but just looking at this game... Um, I think Leicester can go to Watford and win. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I can see Leicester maybe grabbing a 2-0 win. I think if they go one in front, they can keep the ball. The crown might get on Watford's back and go on and score a second. I just can't see them running away with it like we did at Stoke. It might happen in other games that we'll talk about now, but that's what I think about Watford. I've worked with a lot of fans uh, of Watford and uh, and they all say the same thing that they've been disappointing but there is a decent side there um, it's just we're waiting for it waiting for it and weeks and months go by and they're still saying the same thing on occasion they'll have 45 minutes and they go they were brilliant and then they'll be awful it might be the that might be awful in the first 45 and then better in the second 45 etc and you see him on tv and you look at me go actually they've played well they're a good solid team with some good players and then they lose 2-1 and it's it, 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 it's interesting where they are i just think they're a better side than where they are in the league um so i'm just going to go for an away win we're going to go for 2-0 but i'm going to go for a late second goal so leicester to score early control the game but only seal it late on. So I'm going 2-0 City. Yeah, I agree. I can't see us running away with um, with anything against Watford in the in the way that we pretty much did against Swansea and certainly did against Stoke. I'm looking at the Watford results recently in the league table. Stoke and Swansea aren't in the playoff conversation, whereas Watford still are, regardless of whether they've been hit and miss and stuttering a little bit this season. Uh, just looking at it, they've had the second highest number of draws in the division and we've got the joint lowest. So it's um, I think those those that that inability to turn one point into three is is obviously the reason that they find themselves just outside the playoffs. And, and I think it's quite hard, even if people count draws as as unbeaten runs, it's quite hard to generate any real momentum if you're. If you're drawing two, three games on the spin or then picking up one win but then losing a couple, you know, if draws, of course, they get you a single point. But if you look at um, the, the the amount of games that they've drawn, that that is the reason that they are where they are. But they're still in with a shout. So they will be a more difficult test than Swansea and Stoke. And maybe we'll come back in the podcast that we might squeeze in while you're out in Bulgaria to talk about to bemoan the 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 lack of 
risk taking in the final third again because Watford probably a little bit more robust than those two teams. But I am going to also go for a narrow win. I'm going narrower, but I'm going to back Leicester to keep another clean sheet and I'm going to go 1-0. 1-0, so 1-0 and 2-0. And then we move on to the Tuesday night at home against Sheffield Wednesday, um, who are going to bring a, a, a large following to, uh, to King Power. Um, but ultimately, they've been pretty poor and they were very poor at the weekend um and you've you've got to say this goal this this game has goals written all over it and and I think at both ends um I think Leicester will I think Leicester will do what they did against Swansea but to Sheffield Wednesday I think they'll easily go in front but I think it might be a game where they possibly make changes early you know with this run of games, it's a game where you can see maybe even at half time a few changes being made. And I can see plenty of goals. I can see Leicester just opening them up on a Tuesday night under the lights and being in front at half time. Enzo then changing things around, maybe giving first league starts for first league appearances for a few youngsters, making a lot of changes, maybe even slightly earlier than you would do normally. Um, almost going further in front. But Wednesday, um, because of those changes and because of the way that Leicester have got this obviously number of fixtures coming up, I can see them maybe taking the foot off the gas a little bit. I'm going to go for a lot of goals. I'm going to go for Leicester to dominate, completely dominate possession, and it being a very easy night, very easy watch, but lots of goals. I'm going to go for 4-2. So maybe a, a few more goals for Sheffield Wednesday than many people may have suggested. But I'm going to go 4-2 purely because I don't... Lifting your foot off the gas, taking it easy, it's the wrong words, but I think just acknowledging the fixture list is probably the best way of... uh, uh, the most diplomatic way of putting it. Acknowledging the fixture list and not giving... It's it's not saving yourself for other games, but saving yourself for other games. You get what I mean? Um, So I'm going to go for a a comprehensive Leicester win, but I'm going to go 4-2 in a... And what's sure to be a good atmosphere, even with uh, Sheffield Wednesday right down there. But uh, And hopefully the King Power crowd getting behind Enzo in the same way that the away support did um, against uh, Stoke. Six goal thriller against Wednesday. If only that happened in the reverse fixture when I went down to Hillsborough on a freezing <laughs> cold night uh, a couple of months ago and we conceded a, a last minute equaliser, which has happened a few times recently, actually. Uh Wednesday played Watford, actually, back end of January and drew nil-nil, which is quite surprising. Not that Watford drew, but that Wednesday didn't either ship four goals or score four goals. They got battered by Huddersfield at the weekend. They're currently getting beaten 4-1 by Coventry as we speak in the uh, FA Cup fourth round replay. So they're good at conceding goals. They're a really interesting team Wednesday because they started this season... Absolutely rubbish. New manager came in. Everybody was like, this is a young German coach. Nobody's heard anything about him. He seemed to get a lot of positivity going. He got the fans on side. They got a few decent performances, picked up a couple of results. And yet they still find themselves second bottom and getting pasted 4-0 by Huddersfield, who were just outside the relegation zone. I know they're on a bit of a, um, not new manager syndrome, but got rid of the manager. So they've got a bit of a bounce from that. And that, that invariably does happen. But... I don't think Wednesday are that good. 
Uh, I have to be very careful because I know a lot of Wednesday fans. I work with a lot of Wednesday fans. I know quite a few people who are going down to the King Power for the game. It's uh, it's half term here, so some of the kids actually from my school are going down to the King Power to watch the game. Um, so I'm not going to slag them off too much, but Leicester are going to win the game. No question about that in my mind. Are you going as well? Are you going as well? You can you can be in one stand and you can just like point them out in the away end and go, you, stick your V's up at them. We're outside of school now. Doesn't matter. If if I want to keep my job, it's probably best if I don't do that. And now I'm at, I'm busy, so I'm not going. Um, but so I went I went to the one that was closer. Hillsborough's ten minutes down the road from me. I'm not uh, not going an hour and ten minutes down the M1. Uh, I I'm not sure I'm not sure how many goals are going to be in it. To be perfectly honest, I think if Leicester make a few changes, as we've seen this season so far, things can become a little bit more disjointed and. So to that end, I'm probably going to go a little bit less extravagant than a 4-2 and go for half of that scoreline, go for a 2-1 Leicester. And then we roll on to the, the Middlesbrough game, which I think is quite difficult now to be predicting so far in front. But um, just just to, to say, obviously, we've got those two home games back-to-back, which you'll be looking for three points in both games, um, regardless of what happens in in any prior game, Leicester against anyone at home. In fact, Leicester away against anyone, obviously. You're looking for three points and expecting three points. So, um, yeah, nice that we've got those two back-to-back home games um, after Watford. I think it's probably just right as well because it, it looks like it's going to be Southampton who are the rivals for the league now. Completely um, not... Uh, in fact, actually, we shouldn't really dismiss Leeds. Obviously, they're on a really good run. And Ipswich, fair play to them. They've hung around still. They're, they're still there. But just to acknowledge the fixture list for those, um, Southampton, they've got Huddersfield at home. So it's going to be three points. Then they travel to Bristol City on Tuesday night, which is going to be a difficult game, but um, they'll still fancy their chances. And then they go to the Hawthorns on um, on the Friday night um, before Leicester play on the Saturday against Middlesbrough so there's two games there before that which I can see Southampton obviously winning against Huddersfield and then I can see them beating Bristol City but maybe by a narrower margin but then that game against West Brom so it's interesting Leicester could maybe be in the position where going into the game against Middlesbrough they've got a chance of winning and going even further clear of Southampton at Leeds who at the time of recording they are uh, they play the same games as Leicester and they're, what, 12 points behind Leicester, one point behind uh, Southampton. Um, they, let's take a look at their fixtures, um, they're currently playing against Plymouth. Um, just to look in their games in the Championship, do you know what their score is against Plymouth while we're... Nonto has just scored for Leeds from what I can see. Yeah, Wilfred Nonto scored, Plymouth nil, Leeds won. Oh, there you go. Um, and in the championship, they take on well. They take on Rotherham at home. So on Saturday, Leeds are at home against Rotherham, and Southampton at home against Huddersfield. So you'd imagine both of those sides will record pretty big wins there. Um, they've actually got quite a nice run of games before Leicester. Um, they go away to Swansea on the Tuesday, and then they're at uh, they're back down at Plymouth uh, in the league um, for an early kickoff. So <laughs> that's a uh, good good of. Uh, of the EFL to put that on, or should I say Sky, on the Saturday. Um, they got the early kickoff away to Plymouth, so that's an early start for the Leeds fans. Um, so you'd imagine Leeds will probably win those three games. They'll be you know long odds on favourites to do that before then they entertain Leicester on that uh, Friday night game. So um, 
yeah, they've got a pretty nice run of fixtures. So it could well be that Leeds be in second place by the time um, we play them in the league. Just a quick, quick check on Ipswich as well, just off the top of my head. Uh, home against West Brom, away to Millwall and away to Ipswich um, before a nice little run of games, actually. So, um, yeah, Ipswich more than likely would be probably down in fourth place. But then they've got uh, the possibility of getting back up there because they've got a, a nice run of games after a, a few difficult ones. That's the way it looks in the championship. So um, just looking at those, Rob, we the Watford games, every game's big. And every game, Leicester are going to be probably favourites going into, um, even away at the likes of Leeds um, and at home against the Saints. But that Watford game, just the little curveball of the fact that both of our nearest rivals have got the easiest two games that you could possibly have in this league at the moment, you'd say. Maybe Sheffield Wednesday, but you know, you're playing Huddersfield and you're playing Rotherham. Yeah, and we're playing a top half team in Watford and we're playing a team that I know you could say this about a handful of them, like you said, probably down to about Bristol City, but maybe not now. You're looking at the teams that are still knocking about and you're probably looking at anyone in the top half could still make the playoffs. So it, and it would not take a lot for Watford to be a top six team in a couple of games time. So you're right, we're playing uh, a team that are that are decent and are solid and our opponents have got what you would consider on paper anyway to be fairly straightforward victories against teams that are um not uh, that are not doing so well. So it is important because you're looking at the stage of the season that we're in now and there's what? 16 games left so we are pretty much two-thirds of the way through the season almost that by the time we play the game against Watford we will be over two-thirds of the way through the season that's a significant chunk and if you take the the mantra that Enzo Maresca uh, uses to approach football matches and he's always said that you know matches are, are won and lost in the last 20 minutes of the game then that's the final third of the game, pretty much, then you're looking at exactly the same thing in the season. Now, I'm not saying our season's going to derail by any stretch, but it gets to the point where teams get sorted out. They see who's fighting for what. And you look at the fact that Southampton are on a phenomenal run. Um, And our form's good, don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying for a second we're going to derail, but every piece of work that's been put in so far this season has provided us with this platform to enter the final third of the season in a strong position. But it's a strong position that needs maintaining. So that's why games against teams like Watford, particularly on uh, on uh, game weeks where our opponents, uh, in terms of those challenging us for, for league position, have easier games, that puts a little bit of extra emphasis on the Watford game. And, you know, you never know exactly what's said behind closed doors in, t- in training, in, in pre-match team talks by managers, coaching staff, players even. But you would imagine that they've got half an eye on that kind of thing. And I know this seems like a very motivated group of players. And, of course, they're motivated to win the league outright, full stop. They're motivated to achieve their target of getting promoted to the Premier League. But if you ever just want to nudge an extra couple of percent into the players you got to be thinking, hang on, look at look at the fixtures for the teams around us. We've got to work harder this week to make sure that we keep that gap. And it is all about keeping that gap between now and the end of the season. So we're still there to be shot at. We're still, 
it within reaching distance if a couple of game weeks um, don't go in our favour. So you're absolutely right. This game against Watford, of course, every game's worth three points, so they're all as big as each other, but it does feel significant given given the other team's fixtures. Yeah, and we all know how well Leicester are doing. We are, we, all, we all know how many points they're on and you know it could well be a, a record-breaking season. But the team who are keeping tabs on us at the moment in Southampton, only very narrowly from both Leeds and Ipswich, they are now 22 games in all competitions unbeaten. So it's taken a club record for them to keep relative tabs on Leicester. So, yeah... Um, even if it doesn't go our way this game week, you know we still will be clear. But we want to keep it double figures, don't we? Really, double figures is the cushion we all like. As long as it's double figures, that's fine. It can continue in that way. You don't want it to go down, you know, to seven or to five, etc. But the last thing we've got to do, of course, is the uh, the FPL. Um, so first time for a while. Let's hear that music, and we'll have the top ten. <laughs> Here we go then, the top 10 of the For Fox 8 podcast, uh, Fancy Football League, the FPL. Uh, down into 10th place, it's uh, Sonny Rohit with Gloria Leicester fan, excellent team name, uh, 1,382. Uh, down into 9th, uh, Sam Lowell with uh, 1,383. Up into 8th place, it's Aman Golati with Team Dalek, 1,391 points. Up into 7th place, Glenn Richardson with Start Raving Mads, 1,400 points. Uh, a non-mover in 6th place, Sam Smith into Night Garden, 1,407 points. Into the top 5, down into 5th place, Scott Kersey, what would Jan Mulby do? 1,412 points. Down into 4th place, Tom Strongwood with, um, oh, Strangewood, sorry, with the Run Yori Run is easier to uh, easy for him to say at uh, 1415 points run your run uh, top three up into third place Bruce Tolley with uh, Lingardium Leviosa 1427 points up into second place Matt Ward with hit the post with 1428 points and a non-mover at the top Mr J Crafty Fox 1434 points Crafty Fox, Mr. J at the top of the league by six points from uh, Matt Ward, who's had an excellent week with 90 points. Bruce Tolley, excellent again uh, for Bruce, 1,096 uh, points again on the game. How did he get 96 points? Let's have a look here. Who did he captain? Captain Watkins. But uh, yeah, got Foden, Richarlison, all sorts in there. Uh, 90 points for Matt Ward. He captained Richarlison and he's got again like Watkins etc um, so yeah so top 10 starting with 1,382 uh, we go down I don't know where you are Rob I've actually had a, a relatively good I mean my team was obviously awful but I'm up into 97th I got 64 points this week I thought I had a better game week than than actually I ended up with I had Palmer as my captain but I got Foden in there and um, I lost in a head-to-head with a, a mate from work by one point as well um, who captained, uh, I think he captained Watkins and that was it. But uh, I got a fair few texts from Declan today and 
get anyway um where are you so i'm i'm in 97 so i'm inside the top 100 which i'm glad about but i've had a good upturn in the last few weeks i'm 70th i've I've been in free fall. Uh, I, I remember having a conversation, probably not last podcast, the podcast before, about the fact that I was knocking on the door of the, the top 20, I think, at one point. I, I basically did. The way I'd look at this, the way I'd sort of summarise my recent form is I did what Leicester did with Brendan Rodgers and kept faith with my players for too long and it ended up biting me on the backside. So... I made uh, a few changes. I didn't. I didn't play any of my chips, but I did make a few changes ahead of this game week. Captain Watkins, uh, and I came out with with seventy one, which I was pretty pleased with. It was a reasonably good score. I did. It shows me falling down into seventieth on on the app, but that's that's on. That's from the position that I'd climbed up to after Saturday and Sunday's games. It was just because I didn't have the right Manchester City players in my team, namely Phil Foden. Um, I had Haaland and De Bruyne, and so obviously the Foden, uh, the Foden selectors ended up climbing back above me. But yeah, it's, I'm I'm in decent shape-ish. Seventieth. It's probably one of my best seasons in a while. Uh, and I feel like I've made a couple of positive transfers, so we'll see. Watch this space. Yeah, we'll see. I'm still still pretty confident about finishing above you, but there we go. It, it, it was the it was the Watkins that did for me. If I, um, I could have brought him in, but I went with a slightly curveball option. I went for Brozier. I thought he was going to basically Fulham gone on loan, and he's just going to start every game. Raúl Jiménez is out, so Brozier's there. He's going to start every game away at Burnley, and he comes on with a wrap. 15 minutes to go <laughs> rather than start. So I could have easily gone for Watkins. And then if you had Watkins and captain him, you got a good game week, even if everyone else was rubbish looking at your side. Literally that, everyone else support apart from a captain Watkins. But that's uh, that's FPL for you. So that's the way it looks there. Um, anything else, Rob, concerning uh, City? I think it's all going rather well, isn't it? It is indeed. Hopefully we'll get to talk while you're in Bulgaria. If not, have a lovely time watching all the weightlifters. Yes, announcing announcing all of those um, Eastern European names. I've got the list. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for, sit and go through them tomorrow actually, but uh, just to uh, just to highlight a bit. I mean, you know the score. You know, I'm gonna go around all the the representative of the country and get them to. Uh, to, to say each name and <laughs> the day before or whatever and just kind of like frown as the Georgian goes through all of their names. <laughs> and um, yeah, there we go. But uh, yeah, fun and games there. So hopefully uh, there will be uh, a bit of time to do it. Hopefully Mr. Alan March doesn't uh, hover over me as I actually do it, shouting all sorts of obscenities about Leicester because obviously he's a uh, big forest and all that sort of thing. But anyway, yeah, so it should be all fun and games there. Um, so that's it for the podcast. Get in contact for fox8podcast at gmail.com. And uh, FFS Pod is where we are on Twitter. Send us any uh, any questions, anything you want to comment on the website, uh, on the on website, on the podcast. Um, yeah, send us anything that you like, uh, including my pronunciations of, uh, of uh, Leicester City <laughs> Belgium defenders. But uh, there we go. Um, right, we'll see you next time, hopefully next week, on the back of a win at Watford and maybe on the back of a, a demolition of the Wednesday. Mm-hmm.